Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Well, hello, celebrity gossip enthusiasts. Happy 2023. I'm Travis Cronin, Us Weekly's Entertainment Director, and you're tuned in to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. This show, we break down all of the hottest, weirdest, and just most fun celebrity gossip stories of the week. And so glad in the new year that I am joined by my two lovely inside and out co-hosts, Arbiter Beauty and Style, Gwen Flamberg. That face is snatched for the heavens. You look amazing. I mean, my face is snatched because I was supposed to go to the Golden Globes. And so I did like 800 different treatments leading up to it. I actually am going to write a story about how a beauty editor preps for the red carpet because the amount of time and effort and treatments that I put into this. And then I tested positive for the old COVID and had to stay home. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy now. It's the awards are over. I look really snatched and I'm going to like try to keep up this treatment and maybe just maybe someone will invite me to another red carpet event this season. We'll Hashtag see. Gwen but- for Oscars. Gwen for Oscars. Everybody yes, get a for your in. consideration. Please. <laughs> I'll be a seat filler. Just fly me out. <laughs> and, me the, and the unofficial queen of the Bachelor Bachelorette and all things Bravo. It's now baby woman deputy Sarah Heron. Hey, hey, everyone. Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast is back. So tune in. There's a lengthy episode of me by myself. 50 minutes uninterrupted talking about the new cast of The Bachelor. So if you're really feeling crazy, head over <laughs> to here for the right reasons and listen to that before Zach season starts in two weeks. I will say I was very interested by your Instagram stories of all the new Bachelor Same. contestants and their Same. facts. I ate that up and I would recommend listening to the podcast. Thank you so and much. And I would recommend following at Sarah Heron because honestly, I was like, swipe, swipe, swipe. Didn't I see this one before? Swipe. Isn't there a different Brianna? Swipe. There must be another Katie. It, it is compelling. It's Thank very so compelling. Much. It was Thank good you. stuff. It was good stuff. Well, let us get into, um, you know, our woes of the week are going to be a little, a little different this week because there was a huge awards ceremony, the Golden Globes. So we're going to go around and do our woe of the Globes this week because while the ceremony was a little long and tedious as they <laughs> can be, there were some fantastic standout moments. Baby woman, what was your standout moment from these globes that are 
oh so golden. Well, if anyone knows me at all, you know that the standout moment was when Scientology and Tom Cruise and hashtag where is Shelly Miscavige got its moment because the host, um, Jared Carmichael, is that how you say his name? Jared yes. Carmichael. Yes. yes, he was. He had there was some interesting moments with him as the host overall. Um, and my favorite part was when he came out right before he introduced Glenn Powell and Jay Ellis from Top Gun Maverick to um, announce the winner for Best Supporting Actress. He decided to take a dig at Tom Cruise and he brought out he was holding three Golden Globes. And in case you missed it, back in May 2021, Tom Cruise returned his Golden Globes amid the controversy with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the lack of diversity. And Tom Cruise was one of the first bigger names to quote unquote return his Golden Globes that he had three of um, for Jerry Maguire and all his past movies. So the host came out and he said, backstage, I found these three Golden Globe Awards that Tom Cruise returned. I have a pitch. I think maybe we can take these three trophies and exchange them for the safe return of Shelly Miscavige. (laughs) In case you don't know, in case you don't follow me on Instagram and haven't seen the bucket hat, Shelly Miscavige is the wife of David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology. And she has not been seen in public in over a decade. Um, Leah Remini, when she decided to leave Scientology, one of the things that she points as her wake up call, her come to Jesus, if you will, was at Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes wedding. Shelly wasn't there, which she found odd. And she said, where's Shelly? And then Leah was reprimanded and had to go through a bunch of courses. And it kind of raised a red flag to her of like, what? What are we doing here? And also, by the way, where is Shelly? Um, she has filed police reports, which the LAPD, which questionably may be involved in Scientology. We don't know. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly don't come for me. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so Shelly still has not been seen. And David Miscavige is in the news also because allegedly he's trying. There, there's people who are trying to serve him with a um, it, documents related to um, federal trafficking lawsuit. And apparently he's been tried to be served 25 times and they can't find him. They can't serve him. They it's can't for serve years. him. Yeah. Yes. And David's lawyers did tell the Tampa Bay Times that their client being named in the suit is part of a litigation strategy to target the leader of the religion for harassment. Um, so take that with what you will. But Leah Remini is celebrating this moment because it's a big <laughs> deal for Hollywood. Someone in Hollywood on a big stage to acknowledge that we haven't seen Shelley to bring up Sign Cruise to Tom Cruise and Scientology. And you could kind of like feel the shock in the crowd. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they brought out the two stars of Tom Cruise's film who have to be loyal to Tom Cruise, putting on their best they fake smiles shook. I've ever seen. Shook. Yeah, it was crazy. That that was an incredible moment that really made me excited to be tuned in for the live broadcast because it was so shocking. Gwen, what did you like this year about these globes? Oh my gosh, guys. Well, other than Salma Hayek's Golden Globe, which I always loved. Oh, did you see her in Gucci? Yes. She wasn't on the proper red carpet, but if you see pictures of her from inside and after, I mean, that woman, just so stunning. Now, there were just some. She looked great. I mean, beyond, beyond. But it was really some speeches that blew me away. So, first of all, Kei Kwan, who won for Best Supporting Actor, he is in Everything Everywhere All at Once. He got up there and at first he started with, you know, I was always taught to remember where I came from. So I have to just thank Steven Spielberg, who's in this room, who gave me my first shot. And, you know, I really haven't followed the movies this year so much. So I really didn't put it together in that moment that he was short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
And he went on to say how, you know, when he was cast in Indiana Jones, he was so happy. He was a kid. And then he felt the rest of his life that he had peaked as a kid and he was never going to achieve that level of fame. And, and here he was back at it. And the Daniels, who I'm now obsessed with, I need to know everything about the Daniels, who directed <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once, gave him that shot. And it's just like the emotion was so thick in his voice. You really felt it. And I just I love loved it so much. And I love that, you know, he's not a young actor. He's not an ingenue. He's not Austin Butler, who's also hot, but I don't understand like why he has allowed the spirit of Elvis to um, inhabit his body. Um, so I loved that speech. And then, of course, I love Jennifer Coolidge's speech. So amazing where she said, you know, like, again, she got this break after a long time. And like now people on her hill are inviting her to parties. It was hilarious. Jennifer Coolidge is 61 years old. Then Michelle Yeoh won also for Everything Everywhere All at Once. She is 60 years old. Jamie Lee Curtis, who is 70 years old, was like the person screaming loudest in the room. Her speech was incredible. It was meaningful. And I just feel like it was a year for people to just celebrate achievement and lifelong bodies of work. Um, I loved that it was like, People in Hollywood who maybe hadn't been recognized before, even though they worked their tails off their whole career. You know, a lot of times working actors, they have to take like little tiny, silly parts to stay in it. And then they get a break. It's all about like when you get that break. And so here were, you know, all actors, Gen Xers, baby boomers finally getting their due. And then I also just loved Colin Farrell's speech because I'm sorry, I loved so much and I wasn't there. <laughs> Gwen's oh, wow. big quote of the week. Go play me off. We're playing her flowers. off. I am the uh, piano player. Also, I'm shocked in that lovely list, which was beautiful. No mention of Brad Pitt. Well, wait, we're going to get to Brad Pitt. Well, what number seven. to say about <laughs> Colin Farrell's speech, if you guys haven't seen The Banshees of Inishirin, which is an amazing film, very deep, not funny as you would think that it is. The best part of the movie was Colin Farrell's character relationship with his pet donkey. And Colin Farrell actually thanked Jenny the donkey in his speech, which was like so amazing. Okay, one word about Brad Pitt. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys might at me for this, but like, I'm not into that short hairdo. Really? Look, at first, I was like, did Brad Pitt get plastic surgery? Because that would be an exciting story for me to do. But then, of course, I looked at, you know, as I have been trained to do for many years in my job as executive editor of Beauty and Fashion for Us Weekly, I looked at every single picture of Brad Pitt from the last year, the last five years, the last 10 oh, years. Hard work for you. No, yeah, yeah, you know, no plastic surgery that I can discern. Okay. I do think that you may have put on a couple of LBs as people are wont to do when they are happy. Ooh. And it seems like he's a bit happier than he has been. But also, what an example of what a change in a hairstyle can do to the face, especially for a guy. You know, he was wearing his hair long and shaggy and now it was like short, clean cut, high and tight off his face looked like a totally different guy and not my guy. I just kept thinking guy. of you Throw because 
several women, I think of Regina Hall, I think um, from Abbott Elementary, the actress who won, they kept getting distracted by Brad Pitt when they were on stage sitting there. And, and even, and then Austin Butler, who you mentioned, like professed his love for Brad Pitt from their time from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I was like, everyone's loving Brad Pitt on this stage, which was just so interesting to me. And I was like, if only Gwen Flamberg was there to throw in her two cents, but she wouldn't have because of the haircut. But he's still Brad Pitt, and I fully understand. I also I love that Quinta Benson. Can I just say? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was a year of underdogs winning, and I loved it. I loved it. Fashion wasn't my favorite, but thank God everything else was. Travis, did you watch? <laughs> um, I did watch, and I had a couple woes, but Gwen took them, so I loved it too. Um, my favorite moment of the Globes was. Billy Porter and Ryan Murphy in the vein of what Gwen was saying. It was so nice to see underdogs and the people who make up acting, theater, you know, the weirdos, the outcasts. And he, Ryan Murphy, first acknowledged MJ Rodriguez for being the first trans woman to win a Golden Globe. Michaela J, she was looking the most gorgeous ever. Like she, I can't even. Michaela J is amazing. And while I don't think MJ Rodriguez is the best actress on Pose, I'm so happy that she was the first trans woman to win. I also, the Abbott Elementary cast, great, love that show. Don't think their winners were the first best actors on that show. I'm a Shirley Routh fan. I love the principal on that show. Um, but absolutely, the Ryan Murphy speech just got me in tears. And like you said, Jennifer Coolidge getting invited to all the parties on her hill now because of White Lotus is the change I want to see in the world. Also, speaking of White Lotus, Mike White being drunk because, quote unquote, they didn't bring out the food was iconic. I love him. Survivor and forever. I'm just White a, Lotus I'm forever. I'm obsessed with him. Like, I'm yeah. like, are you married, Mike White? Or are you? <laughs> I think he might be. But gosh darn it, is he adorable? He is he's not gay might be i think i'm pretty sure he is i like him too but if you watch his survivor clips back he doesn't come off super great but a great artistic mind of course he is openly bisexual so get in there we all got a shot but he does have a boyfriend um apparently white this is his one line in wikipedia also so like some fact checking i'm doing here as a journalist white (laughs) is a vegan and lives in santa monica with his boyfriend josh he is openly bisexual Nice. Right. Good for you. Well, the Globes, I mean, now recounting them back, they were more fun than I thought they were hearing us all talk to them. So now you don't need to watch them. You heard all the highlights and they were really fun and positive this year. And by the way, sorry, Eddie Murphy. He was great with his speech of the takeaways that he's learned in all the time in Hollywood with the (laughs) reference. Because it was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of boring. This kind of boring, but perfectly delivered the final third tip keep Will Smith's wife's name out your effing mouth. Yeah. Beautiful. The room erupted. It was, it just felt like a good well, crowd. Like the yeah. reactions were good. It was amazing. But the thing, something that I love about Eddie Murphy is that he cannot keep a straight face. Like what I've always <laughs> loved about him in his comedy is he like starts with that adorable Eddie Murphy laugh before he's got the joke out. So he was about to go into the Will Smith thing and he gave that little titter. And I was like, oh my God, what is coming? Something amazing. And it was. It was great. It was better than Austin Butler bringing his Elvis voice into his real life. I'm so which is confused. So strange. I'm so, so confused. confused. I know it was strange. Well, let us get into some news of the week because I have been looking for the answer for this for the last two weeks, and it is about a special 
todger on a special ginger. Um, Prince Harry made the rounds and on his Late Show with Stephen Colbert, which hadn't aired last time we were recording this, he talked about his now infamous frostbitten frostbitten penis, which he called (laughs) Frostnip on his todger. And it turns out I really needed more information about how he got this frostbitten penis at a wedding. And we got it. So he took part in a charity trek um, to the Arctic, to the North Pole, with four ex-servicemen who were badly wounded in the war in Afghanistan. Now, this was in 2011, and it was a 200-mile walk. They raised two million pounds, hey, um, for the Walking for the Wounded charity group. And Prince Harry said uh, these amazing veterans were doing a walk to the North Pole. They all had training. I had none. I turned up thinking how bad this could be. It's the only it's only the North Pole. It's only minus 35 degrees. And he uh, had a handcrafted pillow to protect his, quote, man piece. No, he didn't. Everybody else did. Oh, the handcrafted pillow that everyone else did. Yeah, he got one for the second. When he did the South Pole or something, he got one. That's when he got the penis pillow. He didn't have the penis pillow, which is why he had the frostbitten penis. Um, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't read Spare and actually wants to, to do the audiobook because hearing Prince Harry recall the story about his todger is quite, um, it feels like you're living in the Twilight Zone. Oh my God, definitely do that. And just in case Andrew was wondering how it happened, you sweat, the sweat goes down there. It freezes. And then he showed up to uh, Prince William's wedding and he put some Elizabeth Arden cream on it. The doctor told him that he'd be fine um, and that it would heal his petrified penis in their words, not mine. But also in this, he showed off his necklace that William broke in their fight. Um, and it was sort of wild. He's like, there. Are, Stephen Colbert said, there's a lot of talk about the physical fight that you two had where we pushed you down in the kitchen and broke the dog bowl where you fell. Um, it says you broke your necklace. Which necklace did you broke? And Harry says this one, which is now fixed. And he showed off a trio of charms affixed to a black cord around his neck. He said he has his kid's heart beats, which his wife gave him, and a pair of silver pendants engraved um, with Archie and Lilibet's cardiograms. And he said, and a friend of mine in Botswana made this for me, which I got the tiger's eye on it. He said for his third charm featuring the golden gemstone, which is said to protect its wearer and promote self-confidence and inner strength strength. Now, I feel much better after the Stephen Colbert thing about hearing about the Todger and the necklace. I feel like I got the full picture from his mouth. What did you guys think of this frostbitten penis and jewelry fiasco? I don't get to say that every day. I mean, I think it's ironic that he had the necklace fixed and now he's wearing it all the time because, of course, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, is that the necklace? Like, The um, orchestration of this whole book promotional situation is just it's really something that only somebody who is in Hollywood would know how to pull off Um, the frostbitten Todger. (laughs) We talked about this last in last week's episode, like. There is just so much in the book that is for shock value. And the only issue that I have with it is that, like, this is tabloid stuff. This is tabloid fodder. And you're supposed to be anti-tabloid. So, like, 
what is it? What is it? I just, I don't know. I don't know how to make him happy, Travis. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. And I would like to personally thank him for his tabloid fodder because it uh, yes. really helped our numbers on the website. <laughs> I also think it's so interesting because in the Colbert interview, he kind of, again, like came for the British press and Stephen Colbert like kind of tried to be like, well, you know, American media has their own issues, but Harry like doesn't really see that like for whatever reason. And I mean, the British press is definitely worse. And like, I'm not trying to like put ourselves on blast, but like, Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's wild that he didn't think this book was going to like do You're like, what drag it did. us, Harry. No, drag I'm us. just saying, like, I don't know. He loves being in America. Like, happy for you, Harry. Like, he was like feeding into the crowd. He was like, America. Like, it was just so bizarre. I watched the whole thing, like the uncut version. Um, but anyway, interesting to hear him talk just because it's I I read the book and it's just been like so much Harry, but hearing it from his own voice, especially in a Colbert type setting, which was like partly funny, partly serious, versus like, you know, 60 minutes. Those were like intense. Right. Um, this was like kind of fun oh i let maybe i do like you harry okay now you're kind of being annoying again like it's it's a roller coaster um but my favorite spare headline this week is well first of all a reporter just asked prince william about it at one of his engagements and he just walked away and didn't respond so that's fun Um, wearing all black too it was like so funeral he's in mourning um but there's a lot of people mostly in the british press but also just in general (laughs) on twitter questioning harry's factual errors here So there's a few lines in the book that have kind of raised eyebrows. One of them is about Princess Diana buying him an Xbox. And he Xbox was not invented in 1997 when Princess Diana died. Um, So people are like, okay, well, what'd she actually buy you? Um, That doesn't doesn't make any sense, whatever. Then there's (laughs) a, a quote, inaccuracy in which he implies that Dickie Arbiter, who was the Queen's ex-press secretary, made a comment that Harry and Meghan should expect no mercy after stepping down. Um, but it was really a different commentator named Trevor Phillips. And um, there is one saying that he was at boarding school when the Queen Mother died, but really, allegedly, he was in Switzerland. So these are like three little things that people are blowing up like, okay, who didn't fact check your book or whatever. So the ghost writer who also wrote The Tender Bar has come mm-hmm. out and he's dropping all these quotes. He um, posted quotes from The Art of the Memoir by Mary Carr. And he wrote... This is the quote he shared. The line between memory and fact is blurry between interpretation and fact. These are inadvertent mistakes of those of those kinds. These are inadvertent mistakes of those kinds out of the wazoo. And then he shared one that says neurological. Oh, my God. I can't speak today. Neurological. Neurological. 
Oh, that's a doctor um, explained to me that such neurologist neurologist <laughs> Jonathan Mink, MD, explained to me that such intense, intense memoirs, we often record the emotion alone, all the detail blurred into unreadable smear. And then he shared quotes directly from Harry and the book, one from Harry that said, landscape, geography, architecture, that's how my memory rolls. Dates, sorry, I'll need to look them up. Dialogue, I'll do my best, but make no verbatim claims, especially when it comes to the 90s. Um, whatever the cause, my memory is my memory. It does what it does, gathers and curates as it sees fit. And there's just as much truth in what I remember and how I remember it as there is in so-called objective facts. Things like chronological, these are things like chronology chronological, and and cause and effect are often fables we tell ourselves about the past. Wow. A time is relative and a memory is perception is reality. Little moment there. Yeah. And the passage about the Xbox, I guess, literally, apparently also says, um, and I quote, since I'm doing such a good job reading, I'll keep trying. Um, it was an Xbox. I was pleased. I love video games. That's the story. Anyway, it appeared in many accounts of my life as gospel. And I have no idea if it's true. Pa said, mummy hurt her head, but perhaps I was the one with brain damage as a defense mechanism. Most likely my memory was no longer recording things quite as it once did. So just interesting that there are people kind of finding issues in it, but then the ghostwriter has a response for that. And I don't know, obviously they're going to pick apart everything, but it is kind of tough to like, attribute a quote to someone wrong in your memoir (laughs) what is the truth harry (laughs) i don't know let's move on to something i mean it's weird to say it's more fun because it is jail-based but it is the chrisleys um let's talk about todd and julie chrisley they will have to report to federal prison in florida next week after attempting at gaining bail was denied while they wait out their appeal now this was such a heavy hit for them i feel like they definitely thought that they were gonna get um get let out on bail. Uh, Kirstley, the both of the Chrisley Knows Best stars were sentenced to a combined prison term of 19 years after a jury convicted them of multi-million dollar bank fraud and a tax evasion scheme, classic reality television. Now, Todd will begin his 12-year sentence at the federal prison camp, Pensacola, and Julie will spend the next seven years, two and a half hours away in the federal correctional institution, federal prison camp, Mary. Mariana. Um, now, they are both in camps, um, but we found that they are, quote, no country club, according to an expert. Uh, Julie is headed to a camp, which is still confine- confinement, adding that the camp is the best place to be if you're incorporated. It's sort of like a college dormitory situation. There's no fences or barbed wire or things like that, but there are monitors and cameras and a fairly relaxed atmosphere. Well, they will be in jail next week for these long sentences now let's this one really rubs me the wrong way and it has been a huge part of my life for the last 20 years that i've thought about it is gwen stefani says yes she is japanese gwen (laughs) stefani came under fire on tuesday after she said in an interview that she's japanese she was talking with the lore magazine uh by the way she's an italian american and she was saying the influence of japanese culture in her home and how she grew up and that her dad traveled to japan for his job at Yamaha and, you know, stories about performers cosplaying as Elvis and stylish women with color hair, all the things that influenced her throughout her career. And that was the Japanese influence in her culture. And she said, oh, my God, I'm Japanese and I didn't know it. She told Jalore, I know I'm calling herself a super fan. I'm calling myself a super fan of Japanese culture. And the reporter she was talking to was um, Asian American, not Japanese. And she write, but I am an Asian Gwen Stefani said, uh, you know, oh, sorry. The writer said, I'm not Japanese. 
is what I am an Asian woman living in America and what comes with the sobering realities of a time of heightened Asian American Pacific Islander hate. I hope everyone can who can claim to be a part of this vibrant creative community, but avoid the part of the narrative that can be painfully scary with colorism can do this. It was just so strange. And Gwen Stefani has been criticized for a long time of doing this. She's worn a bindi. She's worn bandu knots. And she says that if we didn't buy and sell ourselves and the culture we're in, we wouldn't have so much beauty. You know, we learn from each other. We share um, we we grow from each other, and all these rules are just dividing us more and more. Now, this was because of the time when LAMB came out that she had four Harajuku girls who were following her around during the press tour and seemed as human accessories to her at the time, which was very problematic. But what are your guys' thoughts on culture, culture vulture Gwen Stefani and her sort of defense of it? I think that... You know, when Gwen Stefani did this, it was a totally different time, like when she had the Harajuku girls. And you're right, even before the Harajuku era, she would wear the bindi, she would wear the bounce knots. She also, you know, ska music was basically built on reggae. So she yeah. had, you know, her original moment where she was dressed in in reggae garb. But I think that she's a really valid point that, being inspired by other cultures is a beautiful way to celebrate them. I do think that our society may ha- have gone, you know, it may has it, it's gone a bit far in terms of cultural appropriation. Um, I, I agree with that, but I, I just kind of feel like, Gwen, why would you say that you're Japanese? Why would you go so she just went a little far and she made some statements at a time when it's not okay to say things like that. You're going to be judged. So just felt a little foolish to me, but you know, I I don't I can't argue with her sentiment. Yeah, she was close. She was close. If she had said her dad traveled back and forth between here in Japan and I was influenced by everything and it's not right to use these four girls as accessories that I never let speak for a year and then came to Vegas with me. Um, she's like, but I love the beauty and fashion. And I want to wear it in a way that is appreciation and not wearing their culture as her onstage costume. I don't know. I think Gwen Stefani's really, really close. And that's why I'm sort of glad that she's talking about it and that we can all sort of like learn what is okay to adopt and what is sort of really offensive to people who you know live that reality every day and don't get to take it off when their show is done right yeah i also just like it was like what year am i living in like i feel like this was gwen stefani 10 years ago and i'm kind of confused why she would be even like bringing i guess maybe she was asked about it but i don't know i was asked about it going backwards I think because the writer was Asian American, she was like, hey, you've culturally appropriated, you know, people have said your whole career, what do you have to say about it? And she was not expecting that answer for her to double down and say, I am Japanese. (laughs) Um, But glad it's in the zeitgeist and we can talk about it in good fun. Um, And for our last story today, I just want to remind everyone, Pete Davidson, no longer with Emily Ratajkowski, I'll never get over it. I really, really saw them as a couple together, but he is still being photographed with his Bodies, Bodies, Bodies co-star Chase Suey uh, wonders. They have been waiting for food together. They're all up in Brooklyn. They are kissing each other. Um, a source tells us that they're hanging out and having fun. It doesn't seem long-term. But I don't know. Is is it just me that's sad about Pete Davidson and Emily Ratajkowski just being the perfect, you know, 
celebrity couple that was like famous and hot to a lot of people, but even hotter to each other. Is anyone else sad? Is it just me? Couldn't care less. All right. <laughs> I, it really has affected me. I'm so and sorry. I don't okay. know why. Thank you. Thank Emirata you. Emirata has been seen out with like 75 people. So she's got the paparazzi on um, speed dial. And I think she's doing just fine. And she... I'm not worried about Pete Davidson. No. He's going to take it bodies, bodies. Else who's hot. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Well, thank you. I felt better about all of this. I still want Pete and Kim to get back together because I thought that was the funniest one. It's pretty great. Oh, my God. I had almost blacked out that time in my life when they were together. I won't let you forget. Okay. Thank you for keeping us informed. And thank you to my host, Sarah and Gwen, for helping me spill all of this piping hot or frostbitten in some, you know, cases. A celebrity this week. Again, this is Travis Cronin of Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast with your weekly peek into the glamour, glitter, fashion, fame of your favorite celebrities. Because you know what, guys? At the end of the day, they're just, just like, like us. us with more money and access. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.